وأقول في القرآن ما جاءت به آياته فهو الكريم المنزل وأقول قال الله جل جلاله والمصطفى الهادي ولا أتأول الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له يقول الحق وهو يهدي سبيل وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد إن شاء الله تعالى we're going to resume the أحكام الصيام the rulings pertaining to fasting and I want to quick I want to quickly give a recap of what we previously took we were talking about the أحكام الصيام the pillars in which fasting what stands on and we said that the pillars of fasting stands on what two pillars the first one we said it's what niyyah intention and the second pillar that we said it stands on is what al-imsak al-mufattirat it is to withhold and refrain from the things that break your fasting the intention and all of the things related to that we spoke about it praises to allah then we moved on to the things that break your fasting the mufattirat what we said was the things that break your fasting go back to one of these four. This is called usul al-mufattirat. Yani the fundamental things of, or the, the things that when a person breaks his fast, it's because of one of these four. Number one, that which enters the body. Anything that enters into the body, and we spoke about that extensively, and we mentioned how many things are the things that enter the person's body? So mainly it's food or drinking. Or anything that takes its place, right? Generally speaking, of course, that's not a comprehensive answer. But generally it's either food or it's what? It's drinking. And anything that takes its place. Glucose and injections and all of that. We spoke about that. We are now going to go into what? The second thing that breaks your fast, which is our today's session, inshallah ta'ala, which is that which comes out of the body. And the things that come out of the body that we're talking about is two things. Sah? The first one is ala sabili. Ala sabili istifraq. And ala sabili istifraq, it can be any excretion might fall into there. So we need to restrict what we mean by that. Sah? We have to restrict what we mean ala sabili istifraq. Ala sabili istifraq, we're only referring to two things that break your fast, which is what? Al-qay'u, which is the vomit. And what? Hijama. And hijama. And the second things that come out, come, the second thing that comes out of your body, which breaks your fast, is what? Ala sabili shahwa. That which comes out of your body, out of desires. And we said that's going to be what? Kalmani. Like what? Mani. Like um, <clears throat> many. Um, and the many that we're going to talk about is what? Anything below jima'ah. Anything, anything below jima'ah. Because jima'ah itself is what? It's the third mufattir. It's the third thing that breaks your fasting that we're going to be talking about. Inshallah ta'ala. <clears throat> and the fourth one is what? Finally, 
that breaks a person's fasting from the four usul. Qat'u'l-niyyah is that the person disconnects their intention. Ibrahim, what's your question? Jima' is intimacy with the spouse. When you grow up, you'll learn about it, inshallah ta'ala. Okay? Now, I want us to understand, inshallah ta'ala, the four usul that break your fasting. I want us to focus on the second, inshallah, for today, bi'idnillahi, bi'idnillahi al-kareem. And what are we going to start with? Ala sabili al istifraq. That which comes out of your body, we said it's two things. Ala sabili al istifraq, ama ala sabili al shahwa. Ala sabili istifraq, the first of two things fall under that. What are the two things that fall under it? Al qayu wal hijama. So we're going to speak about al qayu wal hijama, inshallah ta'ala, in today's class. Al qayu, which is to vomit. How many categories did we say that the qayu, um, how many categories will the qayu fall into? They fall into two types. The qayt, which is the vomit, it's one of two. It's what? One of two situations. The first situation is what? Al qayt, without in deliberately doing it. Without? Without deliberately doing it. You it overcomes you and you vomit. This one we said, this one we saying, inshallah ta'ala, does your fast break your fasting doesn't break. The person's fasting does not break if they unintentionally vomit. Okay, they didn't make it happen. It just overcame them and they vomited. Okay, and this mas'ala is what? Mujma'un alayhi. There's an ijma' and the scholars that mention the ijma' in the mas'ala are Ibn Abdul Bar, Barakallah fi Adam. And the second one is what? Ibn al-Mudhir in his kitab, Al-Ijma'. Lakin there is a riwaya of Hassan al-Basri. Even though those two imams transmitted the ijma', Hassan al-Basri, another a view has been transmitted from him where he doesn't go in line with the ijma' in the mas'ala. Okay, that's another discussion for another time regarding that issue. <clears throat> the second situation when it comes to vomiting is what? The person does it deliberately. Intentionally he vomits. What will that do to your fasting? It will nullify your fasting. Is this mas'ala mujma'un ali? The person who deliberately vomits, deliberately vomits, is it unanimously agreed, according to the scholars, that it breaks their fast? That one, there's a khilaf. Because the hadith of Abu Hurairah that Abu Dawood and others narrated, man hadith, a large quantity of scholars are of the opinion that that hadith, man anyone who vomiting overcomes them, عليه, there is nothing upon them. And anyone who deliberately vomits now, that hadith, min ahli are of the opinion that it's weak, such as Imam Ahmed, Imam Al-Bukhari, Imam Al-Darimi, Imam Abu Dawood, Al-Imam Al-Tirmidhi, all of those of the opinion that the hadith is weak. Sah? But why are we saying that <clears throat> that we're still going to take the opinion that it breaks a person's fast if they deliberately vomit is that we have Abdullah ibn Abbas and we have Abdullah ibn Mas'udin radiyallahu ta'ala anuma barakallahu fi adam and we have Ikrima from the Tabi'in and we have Rabi'ah we have um, uh, Ata'a views mentioned of Ata'a, Sahih, correct? 
And it's qawlun inda ba'd al-malikiyah. And it's also the zahir of the ikhtiyar of al-imam al-Bukhari rahimahullah. Okay? That's important that we, we understand that. Um, now we're going to go to the second masala, which is what? Al-hijama. Hijama means cupping, right? It's to take out blood from your body. And all the things that are going to fall under hijama is blood taken, okay? The blood that's taken from your body and all of that <coughs> goes under hijama. So whether it's done by way of hijama or whether it's done by going to the hospital and they take blood out of your body to give it to somebody else or whatever, it takes the same way. Okay? It means blood being taken out of your body in general. Okay? That's what we're talking about here. Ar-rajih, that which is the strongest opinion. Again, when we say rajih, you can imagine there is a difference of opinion in this there's a marjuh. And that marjuh and that rajah is subjective, by the way. Another person might come and say, no, this is... But we, we, we mention why we believe it's rajah. First of all, hadith of Abbas, radiyallahu ta'ala anhuma, where the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi That's the first evidence that we're using. The Prophet did hijama while he was what? So, and the Nabi, sallallahu alayhi wa the state of ihram, he was wearing, yani he was in state of ihram, yani he was doing, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he was in hajj. وَاحْتَجَمَ وَهُوَ صَائِمُ This hadith, Bukhari narrated in hadith Ibn Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anuma. Also, the hadith of Thawban, which says, أَفْطَرَ الْحَاجِمُ وَالْمَحْجُومْنَا Scholars are of two opinions to respond to it. There's two responses. After al-hajimu wal-mahjum, the one who's doing the hijam, the Prophet walked by a man, hijam was being done for him. And the Prophet said, after al-hajib wal-mahjum. The one that hijam has been done for, and the one who's doing it, both of them, their fasting has broken. Scholars have responded to this hadith. They want to reconcile. What do they want to do? Reconcile between the two evidences. We have two evidences. We have, we have hadith. Uh, Ibn Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhuma, which Bukhari narrated, which is and the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa on one side. And on the other side we have on the other side we have after al-hajim wal mahajum. That's why there is a dispute in this issue. That which seems apparent and knowledge is with Allah ta'ala is that there's two responses. One response is, it's abrogated, this hadith of Thoban, the, the latter one I mentioned, which is, hadith Thoban, after al-hajimu wal-mahjum. Jam'u min ahli al-ilmi took the opinion that the hadith of Thoban is mansukh, abrogated. That is what? That it's abrogated. And that what abrogated it is the hadith of Ibn Abbas. But then that's going to be tarjihun bighayri murajjahin yusamma tahakum, scholars they say. Strengthening one opinion over the other without giving evidence is called dictatorship. Yusamma tahakum. You're imposing on this issue. What's your reason that you say this one abrogated this one? Why can't we say Thoban's narration abrogated Ibn Abbas? Ala ayya asas did you say it? They said, tis'a, nine of the sahabas, 
radiyallahu ta'ala anhum were of the opinion of jawazul hijamati lusayim. Nine of the companions after the Prophet's death. Are we all together? يعني قد ثبت عن تسعة من الصحابة Nine of the companions has been transmitted from them جواز الحجامة للصائم So they said based on that What does it show? That hadith of Thawbani is fabricated Are we all together? And they even went as far as to say وَلَا نَعْرِفُ لَهُمْ مُخَالِفُ these nine, we don't know any mukhalif for them, anyone who opposes them. Some scholars went as far as to say, وَلَا يُعْلَمُ لَهُمْ مُخَالِفٌ We don't know anyone who opposes those nine sahabas who said otherwise, right? Um, also, that's one way of answering the hadith. I personally, my opinion, is that I don't like running to abrogation when I'm able to reconcile between the two evidences. Because the qa'idah is, to act upon both evidences takes precedence over what? Disregarding one. Sahibul Maraqi in his Alfiyah, in his A Thousand Lines, on Usul al Fiqh, what does he say? That reconciling between the evidences is, is needed when there is an ability. Illa and if you can't, there is no way to reconcile between the two, then abrogation should be a step you go towards. And there is a way to reconcile between them. And Anas ibn Malik did that. Anas ibn Malik, he did it. Bukhari narrated in his Sahih that Anas ibn Malik said, Alastum takrahuna. A person said to Anas ibn Malik, Thabit al-Bunani, who was a servant of Anas ibn Malik, he said to Anas ibn Malik, Alastum takrahuna al-hijamata al-saib? Do you guys not dislike, he's asking Anas, do you not dislike hijama for the person who's fasting? And then he said, La illa min ajil al-daf. No, only if it brings weakness to the person. Only what? If it brings weakness to uh, the person. So this hadith, what does it have? Yeah? It shows two points. Number one, the one you just mentioned, Adam, Hafidhakallah, Mikulli Su'in wa Makruh. Which is what? There's a way to reconcile between it. The second benefit that we take from it is, Lahu hukm al-raf'i. It takes the ruling of the Prophet's statement because what did Thabit ask? Alastum takrahuna. Do you not dislike? And Anas ibn Malik, he can't dislike a ruling that Allah has permitted. Are we all together? Alastum takrahuna, Thabit asked. And Thabit, who was he talking about when he said that? You and the companions of the Prophet, did you not dislike? Are we all together? Alastum takrahuna. Al-hijama, do you not dislike hijama for the sa'im ala ahdi rasulillah, some of the riwayat mentioned. Khasta Bukhari's one, it says ala ahdi rasulillah at the time of the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam. I actually missed that part out. Ala ahdi rasulillah, he actually mentions. So this athar is what? 
موقوف لفظا مرفوع حكما ان اسوادي اسوا ابراهيم موقوف يعني انس ديت سي ذا بروفيسيس بس هي هاز ذا رولينج اوف سو اي ثينك ان شاء الله تعالى ام اي ثينك باذن الله الكريم this should be a very good answer to the issue of hijama also abdullah ibn mas'ud abdullah ibn mas'ud radiyallahu ta'ala anhu was asked about the hijama and then what did he say he said la ba'sa bihi and this is narrated from him what bisanad sahih he said what la ba'sa bihi yani the statement says ibrahim annahu su'ila an al-hijamah lis-sa'imin he was asked what was he asked hijama for the fasting one and he clearly categorically said la ba'sa biha sorry hijama is a mu'annath he said la ba'sa biha he said what there's no harm in it all of these statements you can find in the musannaf if who of ibn abi shayba ولذلك i just want as a side benefit i want to say to students of knowledge tulab al-ilm any statements of the sahabas you're going to get it from majority of the times the musannafat musannaf ibn abi shayba is a gold If you want to study madhhabu salaf if you want to study what madhhabu salaf and you want to ground yourself in the view of the sahabas khasatan the sahabas and tabi'in musannaf ibn abi shaybah is filled up with it and a talibu ilm in the course of his life he should give time to learning madhhabu sahaba a lot of people this is not even in their they don't want to know They prefer learning Al-Mu'tamadu fi madhhabihi. He wants to learn what? The Mu'tamad in the Hanbali madhhab or the Shafi'i madhhab or the Hanafi madhhab or the Maliki madhhab and he wants to know the Aymatul madhhab what they said and what did Nawawi say against what Rafi'i said fi fiqh Shafi'i, صح? That's important. But first comes the Prophet and then his students which is the Sahabas, right? The other day I read a benefit and the benefit I took it from the kitab by Uthman al-Dalimi rahimahullah Uthman al-Dalimi rahimahullah in his kitab al-Naqd ala Bishr al-Marisi and also I, it's narrated by Ibn Abi Hatim in the manaqib of Imam Ahmed uh, Imam al-Shafi'i Ibn Abi Hatim brings it in what? The manaqib of Imam al-Shafi'i rahimahullah that there was a debate that happened between who? There was a debate That happened and took place between who? And Imam Shafi'i and who? The Jahmi, Uthman, Bishr al-Marisi. Shafi'i debated who? Bishr al-Marisi. And they disputed each other on a mas'ala fiqhiyya, which was the issue of what? So mas'ala fiqhiyya, Shafi'i and him discussed. Shafi'i said to him, and Imam Shafi'i said to Bishr al-Marisi, What do you think in the situation where a child loses his father, someone murders his father, cold-blooded, the person who murders the father is found. But this child is below the age of puberty, he's young, maybe one years old, two years old, very young. And he's the one who makes the choice of what will be done to the person who killed his father. Because he's what? He's from the Uliya Adam. They make the choice. Someone murders your father. You have the right to say, I want this person to be murdered. I want this person to be executed for killing my father. 
or our own blood money. Let him live for blood money. If the children, some of them, are younger than the age, they're still young, two years old. Shafi'i said, do we wait for all of them to grow up the age of puberty? And the man is, of course, is going to be kept in prison. Okay? Until they grow up. And once they grow up, they make the what? All collectively. They all make the what? They all collectively make the... They collectively make the decision whether they want this father, this man to be uh, executed on their, uh, uh, for what he has committed and what he's done, or they want the blood money. So Shafi'i put that question to Bishr al-Marisi. Of course, Shafi'i has a view on the mas'ala. Rahimahullah ta'ala. But he put this question to him. And I want, this point is what I want from the story. Bishr al-Marisi, he said that, yeah, the, the, all the children have to collectively make the decision. All of them collectively until the last one reaches puberty and they can all make the decision. Okay? They can all make the decision. That man is going to be kept. And that's the view Bishop Marisi pushed. Shafi'i then said to him, what about Hassan ibn Ali? When his father was murdered by Abdurrahman ibn Muljim, he took what? Execution. He requested for Abdurrahman Muljim to be executed for what he did to his father, Ali ibn Abi Talibin. But some of Ali ibn Abi Talibin's kids were still young. Some of them have only reached the age of puberty. But Hassan made that decision. Then Bishr al-Marisi said, Akhta'a Hassan. Hassan did a mistake. This upset Imam al-Shafi'i. And boycotted him and he left him. What was from the Mahal al-Shahid from the story? The Mahal al-Shahid is, he belittled the view of a Sahari and was looked down at it. So, and Imam al-Shafi'i to him, that Madhab al-Sahabi, it's got a big weight. Because of the evidence in the Quran and the Sunnah. So my beloved brothers and sisters, in the course of your seeking knowledge, khasatan when you're learning fiqh, it's important that you look out for the qawl of a sahabi in a mas'ala. I'm not saying that a sahabi is infallible and he's always going to be right, but try to know what they say. It has more weight than anybody after them. Now, inshallah ta'ala, we're going to go into... The third mas'ala. What about blood, uh, what's it called, a uh, blood um, donation? Someone wants to donate blood. Again, we said that's going to take the ruling of the hijama. It doesn't break a person's fast. This is because it's mabniyatun ala hukmi al-hijama. It's built on the hukum that we gave. Regarding the hijama, both of them are what? Inna kulla minhuma is what? Ikhrajuddam. The blood has been taken out, so it doesn't break the fast, inshallah. And this is the madhab of Akhtar wa Halil Ali. So in Anas ibn Mahdi, he mentioned that it's like if he was weak, but then he had the statement that if he was weak, he said that that's like a So do we ignore the fact that he mentioned weakness? 
So what we say is the way to reconcile it is we're going to say it means generally doing hijab when somebody does hijama generally. It doesn't really uh, it doesn't make a person weak. It's only situations that it does. Unless actually what makes a person dizzy and is when they eat too much and they do hijama. But if you do it with an empty stomach, you feel better. It's when you're fasting is actually the best time to do hijama. Okay? That's why they say to you, when you're doing hijama this many hours, don't eat. Sah? No. The next one, Masala, we want to talk about is istifraq. Sorry. Anything that comes out of the body in a form of desire. And we're going to talk about al-mani. Again, we're not going to talk about jima'ah, sexual intercourse, because that is not this part. It's got, it's got its own category of breaking the fast. So let's say someone kissed his spouse. Someone kissed their spouse, their partner, their wife. The wife kissed the husband or the husband kissed the wife. And then, or they touched. Or they hugged. And the khurujul maniyu happens in this regard. Okay? What's the issue in this mas'ala? When you mention the mubashara, does it have to be that area or does it mubashara any type? Yeah, it can be even here. Of course, it falls under it. All other means. So there is a difference of opinion on the mas'ala. There's a what? Khurujul mani. An tariq al-taqbil yo. Al-lamsi. Al-mubashara yo. All of those. Some scholars transmit an itifaq. That is agreed that it breaks the fast. And from those scholars is, if you go to Kitab Bidayat al-Mujtahid, right? Sahih Bidayat al-Mujtahid mentions it. And al-Mughni, Ibn Qudama mentions it. لكن بعض الظاهرية disagree with this issue. ظاهرية أبو داود الظاهري ابن حزم خاصة إن المحلة he disagrees. ابن حزم holds the opinion that it doesn't break. He just believes جماع sexual intercourse breaks it. Any other way that if it comes out of review, it doesn't break it. And they actually use آثار of بعض الصحابة. Okay. And even those آثار that they used, yeah. Does it actually show Al-Inzal? And all the athar that they mentioned that Ibn Hazmin brought, it doesn't really show the issue of Al-Inzal, Khurujul Mani. It doesn't show it, really. It's not clear in it. He only brings evidences for Taqbeel and that he doesn't break it. Sah? And we believe that kissing and hugging and all of that, no one's saying it breaks your fast. And that's all Ibn Hazmin really brings from the Sahabas and all of that. We're talking about kissing, which then causes inzal. The mahalu shahid is al-inzal, sah? So it's really fair to say that there is a ijma'if, if all of those evidences are responding to like that. Sheikh al-Bani also believed that it doesn't break your fast. Like masturbation and other things like that, doesn't break your fast, Ibn Sheikh al-Bani. And also Ibn Hazmi didn't believe it broke your fast. They only believe it's jima'if, that's the evidence where it is. Anyone who claims otherwise, he says, where's the evidence? Okay? Um,
What about if it comes out from you by way of masturbation? Again, we say it breaks your fast. What about if it comes out of you by way of min nadar? You just looked at someone. Okay? The nadar is going to be divided into two. If it happens the first time when you looked, okay, there's nothing upon you. Like in the nadar that brings it is when the person does it, anadaru bi takrar. takrar nadar keeps looking and looking and looking. Faraj, that which seems apparent, is that you looked for something that's going to cause that, it breaks your fast. Does that make sense? Some other scholars even went there and uh, there as well. They said even if he normally knows that if he does look, look, look all the time, that he doesn't break his fast. Some of the fuqaha mentioned that he doesn't. He doesn't break his fast. And this was out of the blue that it's happened to him like this. Normally it doesn't do this to him. They said, Al-Hukm Al-Ghalib. We're not talking about if it's permissible to do that or not. We're talking about if it breaks his fast. There's discussions on it. Um, like in another, which is called another al-mufaja'ah, we just looked and you turned away, but then this caused something to happen to your body. This they say it doesn't break your fast. This is the call of Akhtar because you didn't do anything to, to, to make it happen. But if you keep looking, 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 and it happens, then it does. What about if the person, yani the money comes out, min tafkir, the person is thinking and thinking about their spouse and everything. And they keep thinking about it. Again, that which is apparent in Allah is that it doesn't break your fast. And the evidence for that is, إِنَّ اللَّهَ تَجَاوَزَ عَنْ أُمَّتِي مَا حَدَّثَتْ بِهَا أَنفُسَهَا Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala, some of the riwayat action, some of the riwayat mentioned, إِنَّ اللَّهَ تَجَاوَزَ عَنْ أُمَّتِي مَا وَسْوَسَتْ Allah has forgiven for the person or the ummah, he's forgiven them, مَا وَسْوَسَتْ بِهِ صُدُورُهَا That which the mind whispers and thinks about, مَا لَمْ تَعْمَلْ As long as they don't act upon it, or تَكَلَّمْ Or they don't speak it. Hadith, Sahih Hadith, Hadith Abu Rayla. Okay. I'm going to stop there, inshaAllah ta'ala. Anything which I've said that was wrong or incorrect is from me and shaitan and Allah and his messenger are both free from it. Subhanakallahumma bihamdih. Ashadu an la ilaha illallah. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayhi.